feel like traveling on. The Stools were verses.
Topis was forgiveness. And aren't you glad to know the day that you can live as one that's been forgiven? To know the forgiveness of God, to be able to say that I am redeemed by love divine, and his mercy and his grace to us allows us to be partakers with him in the inheritance of eternal salvation. Amen. Great is my joy. Now as homeward I go.
open our Bibles up to the first Corinthians, if you will. We're going to read one verse uh, out of there. And just want you to think about this uh, this morning, but just one verse out of first Corinthians. And uh, we're going to go to chapter number 15. <clears throat> and I'm going to read a verse out of here. It's very familiar. But I think sometimes we need to be reminded of some things in Scripture and what the Word of God says. Uh, we live in a time that's changing. I mean, when we look around us, uh, we live in a changing society. Uh, things are changing at such a fast rate and a fast pace. Uh, there's communities change. Uh, I know that... Uh, uh, we used to live in Oakwood, and I was through there yesterday, and uh, I couldn't find some of the streets. I mean, it was just amazing how that it's changed in the short time that we uh, have moved uh, from down there, and so communities change. You think about families, uh, and through the years, families change. Uh, I know that I saw some of my relatives uh, yesterday, or yesterday evening, and uh, saw some of my relatives I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, I tell you, it's just amazing uh, how people change and how families uh, change. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times views change. Uh, the way that people look at things uh, changes. Have you ever seen a time uh, that when, uh, if somebody's in traffic, if you're in traffic, and uh, maybe you... Uh, blow your horn at somebody or something, and then they pull a gun out. I mean, that, that's just beyond me. I cannot imagine this. I don't, I don't blow my horn at anybody. I don't look at anybody either. I watch where I'm going and uh, just watch what's taking place. And so uh, the, it's, it's just changed, and people is, are so irritable today. Uh, you can't say anything to anybody without upsetting them, it seems like, and and people are irritable, and uh, it just seems like that that's the time, that's the times that we're living in, and uh, people's views of things change. But I want you to think about this. In Malachi chapter number 3, verse number 6, and this is not where I'm going to preach from, but I want you to listen to this verse. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change. You know, communities might change. People's views might change. Families might change. Churches might change. But God doesn't change. He says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Another thing that never changes is the Word of God. God's Word never changes. It means exactly what it's always meant. It reads exactly the same way that it always has. When God's Word talks about sin, sin that was in the Old Testament, sin that was talked about in the New Testament, is still sin today. You can sugarcoat things, you can water things down, we can just throw our hands up and say, well, that's just the times we live in. But I'll tell you what, God has not changed. His Word has not changed. The Bible tells us in Psalms 119, 89, it says, Forever, O Lord. How long's forever? It says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. You think about over in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. The Bible says this, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So some things change, but some things will never change. God won't change, His Word won't change, and Jesus will never change. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to ask you if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and you're able to do so, would you stand? I want to read one verse. And I believe this is going to be some encouragement to us. We may not always look at this verse this way, but I believe there's encouragement 
out of this verse for a child of God. In these times, in these days, with all the changes that are taking place, I believe that this is an encouraging word from God's Word to the children of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, this morning I want us to look at the first portion of this verse for just a few minutes. And this be a word of encouragement uh, to us in these changing times. Notice something uh, that he says. He says, therefore, and he says, my beloved brethren. Now think about that. Think about the first part of that verse. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. Thank you for today. Thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, for the sweet Holy Spirit we feel around this place. And God, I just pray, God, touch each of our hearts. Strengthen us and encourage us. Help us, God, in these changing times. Uh, God, to be what you want us to be, what you've called us to be, what you've given to us to be according to your word. God, we love you and we thank you so much. And God, I want to thank you, Lord, for every home and every family represented here today. And God, we thank you for these people. And God, they mean so much to our lives. And God, just have a special, special place in our hearts. And God, we love them. And God, I just pray that uh, you just shower your blessings upon our homes. God, shower your blessings upon each individual. God, use us for your glory and honor. We thank you for what you've done in days past. And God, we want to thank you for what you're doing today. God, we know that you're working. Even when uh, we're not aware of it, you're still working. When we can't see it, we know, as the song says, that you're still working. And God, we love you, and we thank you for that today. Lead in everything that's done. God, I pray if they be a, a lost soul in this building, God, one that may be watching by live stream or listening, to the radio broadcast. God, that this be the day and the hour they'd turn to you and be saved by your grace before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to, first thing I want you to think about this morning, I want you to notice something concerning this Scripture. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren. Notice those words. My beloved brethren. And this tells us, you know, the Apostle Paul inspired the Holy Spirit of God, penned down this letter to the church at Corinth. And here he is under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, my beloved brethren. So this tells us and lets us know uh, who that he's pinning these words down to and who he is directing uh, these words to. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren. He's talking to believers, those that have been born again. You remember the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, that you must be born again. And these, he's talking here to my beloved brethren, those that are believers, those that have been born again, those that have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's talking to those that have been born again, those that have become through faith, have become members of the body of Christ, those that through faith are part of the bride of Christ. And that's who this is pinned to. And so we think about this this morning. Notice the word, the very first word there, and it says, therefore. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren. If you look the word, word therefore up in the Greek, it says, so that, or wherefore. If you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, it says, for this, or for, this, for that reason, or consequently. 
And so that word therefore causes us to what's already been spoken. What's already been talked about. What's already uh, been brought forth. What el- what's already uh, just been laid out uh, before uh, the hearers there. And so because of this that has been stated when we see that word, therefore. If you'll study out 1 Corinthians and study the entire, all 16 verses, you'll find that 1 Corinthians has to do with the conduct of believers. How that uh, an individual is to behave themselves. How an individual is to conduct uh, themselves. And so this is what the theme of 1 Corinthians is. There were some things in in 1 Corinthians, and if you'll read 2 Corinthians as well, there are some things that needed to be addressed uh, in the church. There was incest uh, that was taking place uh, there in the church, and, and the church knew about it and, did, and was doing nothing about it. So that was something uh, that was being addressed. Something else that would be addressed in these letters to the church at Corinth uh, would be the disorder at the Lord's table. And so Paul, in spite of the Holy Spirit, will give them instructions on, on how to conduct themselves and how to rightfully uh, take, or rightly uh, take, uh, partake of the Lord's table. And so these things, all of these things, uh, needed uh, to be addressed. One of the things that should not have to be addressed in our churches today and in churches past and days past is is one of the things that shouldn't have to be uh, addressed is doctrine. You see, because if God never changes, and He doesn't, if His Word never changes, and it don't, If Jesus Christ is still still the same yesterday, today, and forever, one thing that ought not to ever have to be addressed is doctrine. I know people have different opinions. It's okay to have an opinion of something. But the Word of God teaches us and tells us and instructs us and directs us, and that's the way it is. It's no, well, I know what God's Word says, but there's none of that. Doctrine, true Bible doctrine, should never have to be anything that is addressed in a true Bible church. You know, the Apostle Paul, in a lot of his writing, he he warned those that he wrote uh, to. He warned Timothy. Uh, which was a young preacher uh, in the Lord. He, he warned him concerning false teachers, concerning false doctrine uh, that would come. And even in one place, Paul said, after I depart, I know that there's, there's ravenous wolves going to come in after I leave. But he challenged his, his hearers. He challenged them. To, to, to be sure of sound doctrine, that sound doctrine is being taught, that sound doctrine is being preached, that they're standing on sound biblical doctrine. And that's one thing that ought not to have to be addressed. But I'm going to tell you what, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed. We can think, well... It'll all, I mean, it, it's always been this way, it'll always be that way. I want to tell you what, you better be careful. You better be careful. Stand on the truth of the Word of God. Never waver, and we'll talk about that probably tonight, but never waver uh, from what the Bible says and the teaching of the Word of God. And so the Apostle Paul in his writing here, that verse starts out and he says, Therefore, because of what's been said, because of what's been taught, because of these things, He said, I I want you to to therefore, he says, my beloved brethren. And I believe it's some words of encouragement. There's no doubt in Paul's day there was things that changed. There was things that was changing. He knew that there was changes coming. And he was addressing those things uh, to the church there uh, at Corinth. 
But the word therefore. Go back to the first part of chapter 15. The very first few verses. And I want you to notice something here. And this is, this is the therefore. It's the why, okay? It's the why that verse 58 can be stated. It's the why of what's contained in verse number 58 is when you go back in this chapter and you begin to look at some things. Look at the first four verses. The Bible says here, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You know, one of the things that Paul did in Corinth, he preached the gospel. And he tells them this, he said, if you'll remember... What I delivered unto you. If you'll t- go with me back in the book of Acts. Go to chapter number 18 in the book of Acts. I want to show you something uh, here. <coughs> this is Paul coming to Corinth. And he comes, he leaves Athens, and he comes to Corinth. And this is where he met, meets Aquila and Priscilla. And they were tent makers. And because of this, uh, Paul abode with them and wrought with them of their craft. They were, they were tent makers. But notice what happens in verse number 4. It says, And he, talking about Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks, the Jews and the Gentiles, And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And the Bible says when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From henceforth I'll go to the Gentiles. And it says, And he departed thence, and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, notice what happens to him. It says, believed on the Lord with all his house. And the Bible said, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. The Bible says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And the Bible said in verse 11 that he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. If you go down to verse number 18... Uh, they, they would be some, uh, there would be some uproar against him. But notice in verse 18 it, concerning Paul, it says, And Paul after this tarried there yet a good while. And so we notice in these verses that, that you know, Paul would go into the synagogue as he would do in every town that he went. They were not receptive uh, to the message that Paul was preaching, he preached, we know that, that by grace are you saved through faith. And it was nothing else added to it. Now the Judaizers said this salvation is okay, but you've got to keep the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep all of these things. But it was not. It's not of works. There's nothing that, that they could do then. There's nothing that you and I can do uh, now to merit salvation. It's not of works. It's by grace we're saved through faith and that alone. But we know that, that for a year and a half that Paul was there. There was many. He left. He was not teaching in the synagogue. He went to somebody's house. 
And the Bible said their house joined hard to the synagogue. It was in close vicinity of the synagogue. And people were hearing the Word of God, and they were being saved by God's grace. Even Crispus uh, was saved by the grace of God, and his whole household uh, was saved by God's grace. And they were baptized. And the church was born, the church was established, uh, the church began uh, there in Corinth, the same church that Paul was writing this letter to. And we see all of these events uh, taking place. When you get to verse 15 of 1 Corinthians, if you get to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, and you read those first few verses, the Bible said this is what he preached. He preached how that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. How that He was buried and how that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Think, think about the Gospel. The Bible says here, now when, when Paul penned this down, there was no, there was no Matthew through Revelation that you were holding in your hand. They had Old Testament Scripture. They had the teaching of the apostles as they came. They had the apostle Paul as he came. The Lord had shown him. The Lord had revealed unto him. The Lord had given him the mystery, he says, concerning the church. And so he began to go and began to preach as well as the other apostles. And, and Paul's message was no different uh, than their message. They were preaching, by grace you saved through faith. They were preaching the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to remember, here in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I want you to remember what you believed. I want you to remember what I preached unto you. He says, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now what Scriptures did they have? I just want to give you just three examples. There's a ton of them. But number one, I want you to think about the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, if you read chapter number three, when man fell, there was a promise right there in verse 15 of the Redeemer, of the sacrifice. Also in chapter number 3, you remember that Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, their eyes were open, they realized they were naked. What did they do? The Bible said they took fig leaves and sewed sewed, sewed them together to cover up their nakedness. In the third chapter of Genesis... The Bible says, after God's discussion with Adam and Eve and the serpent, the Bible says that God made them coats of skin. Now, where did God get that? Where did God get the coats of skin? Did He just poof and it was that they were there? No. There was an innocent animal that was sacrificed whose blood was shed and those coats of skin God gave those to Adam and Eve to cover up their nakedness. God provided the covering for their sin. When you go on in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham and Isaac. You know, Isaac was the promised seed. And God spoke to Abraham, said, Take your son, your only son. And you go up to a mountain that I'll show you. And you offer him there. So burn offering and sacrifice before me. The Bible said Abraham got up early in the morning. He took Isaac, took some of the men with him. And they went three days journey to a mountain that God showed him. And Abraham told the other men, said, you stay here while I and the lad go yonder and worship. And they went up on that mountain. 
Isaac asked the very familiar question. You know, we've got the wood. <clears throat> we've got the fire. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son God shall provide himself a lamb. They went up there and Abraham bound up Isaac, laid him on the altar, drew back the knife to slay his son. If you go over in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abraham believed. He believed God. He believed what God had promised concerning Isaac. That the promised seed would come through him. That he would, that the seed would follow through him. And Abraham believed that God could, you know, if he slew him, that God would raise him up. That's how much faith that Abraham had. Drew back the knife and the Lord spoke to him. said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, don't harm your son, for I, now I know that thou fearest me. And the Bible said Abraham looked around. There was a ram caught in a thicket. And he went and offered him up instead of his son. You see, that ram became a substitute for Isaac. You and I needed a substitute. The gospel is how that Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture. In the book of Isaiah 53, just a portion of this, read this whole chapter when you get home. Isaiah 53, beginning of verse 3, says this, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? And notice this. For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Paul said the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture over and over and over and over and over again, God describes, God tells, God gives His plan uh, for sinful man, uh, for their redemption, and the price of their redemption, and my redemption, and your redemption, was through the Lord Jesus Christ, and through Him alone. Was it? He said, how that... He died for our sins according to Scripture. And He was buried. He borrowed a tomb. There was a tomb that was borrowed to place Him in. A tomb hewn out in the stone where never a man had lay. A tomb that He was placed in after His death. Stone rolled in front of the door. But the grave wouldn't hold him. That stone wouldn't keep him inside. All the demons and devils of hell couldn't hold him down it says how that he died for our sins according to scripture 
and he was buried. And the Bible says, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty eight. He said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. To die for our sin, according to the Scripture. You know, we quote a lot of times about the change in a person's life when they're saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. When a person gets saved, I'm talking about genuinely saved by God's grace. When they hear the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God convicts them, convinces them they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and they call on Him, believing on Him with all their heart, the Lord will save them. And there's a change that's made. They're a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For He, God, hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. When Jesus died, it was not because of His sin. It was not because of anything He did. It's because of us. Because of our sin. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus made the statement in John 10... He says, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus gave His life. You think about everything that Jesus said when He hung on the cross. We think a lot about in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, it is finished. And the Bible says in one place that He cries with a loud voice and He says, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. And the Bible says, and He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. He literally laid down his life for us. And Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he said, if you'll remember what I preached to you, and boy, I tell you what, if there's anything ought to encourage us as a child of God, ought to put a spring in our step. It's the fact of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How that He died for our sin, according to the Scripture. He was buried, and then the Scripture says that He rose again the third day. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to close in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to see something here. It said there, then I want you to think about the importance of the resurrection. It said there in verse number 4 that he rose, rose again that day, uh, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In Matthew eighteen sixteen, the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. The Bible says after his resurrection in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15 that he is seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, he was a seen of above 500 brethren at once. Paul said, Of whom the greater part remained of this present, but some were fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And he says, And last of all, he is seen of me, as of one born out of due time. The Bible said at the mouth of two or three witnesses, there was Cephas, there was the twelve, there was the 500, there was James, there was all the apostles. 
and they were receiving Paul, saw him. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 1 that for 40 days after his resurrection, he spent time with those disciples and instructed them and upbraided them. That's what he did. He died for our sins according to Scripture, was buried, rose again the third day according to the Scripture. The importance of the resurrection is this. The Bible says this, verse 12, If Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you there's no resurrection of the dead? You know there's people standing in pulpits in America today that do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that terrible? Because I want you to listen to what these next few verses say concerning the resurrection. He said, If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, your faith is also vain. Yea, and we're found false witnesses of God, because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep are those that have died in Christ are perished. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. If there's no bodily resurrection, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, if if any of those things were true, you and I would be without hope. Our faith would be in vain. There'd be no need in us being here this morning. There'd be no need in singing the songs. There'd be no need in opening up the Word of God. There'd be no need this morning if there was no bodily resurrection. There would be no need at all for you and I to gather together. But, aren't you glad it don't stop right there? Look at the very next verse. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. You know what? Uh, this, I mean, this, this should encourage us. In a changing world, in changing time, in changing views, and people just being on the edge, it seems like, in the midst of all of that as a child of God. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, and he reminded them in the first part of 1 Corinthians. He says, When I came to you, you go back to Acts 18, When I came to you, this is what I brought. This is what I preached. How that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah this morning for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I heard the gospel. I'm glad that I heard the truth of the gospel. Aren't you? I'm glad this morning uh, that there's hope in Christ. It's not a hope, well, maybe it'll happen or maybe, maybe it won't. It's not that kind of hope. The hope is that it's a fact. It is true. It's forever settled. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. His Word is forever settled in heaven. What His Word says, you and I can rely on. We can stand on. Uh, We can hold on to. Uh, When the storms come, uh, we can hold on to what the Word of God says. Uh, When the winds blow, uh, we can hold on and rely on what the Word of God says. Uh, When it seems like the whole world against us he's right there he said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you 
And I tell you what, it encourages me. I don't like the way things are. I don't like the way things are going in the world. I don't. But I do know this. This is not my home. And if you're a child of God, this is not your home. There's a song that says, I've got a better place to go. (laughs) Hallelujah, I've got a better place to go. Getting closer. Got a better place to go. And it, it encourages me. When I look back at what Jesus did, when I look back at His death, burial, and resurrection, it encourages me. Because that Scripture says, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits. Now you think about that for a moment. The firstfruits. You know what that tells me? There's more to come. There's more to come. You remember after Jesus' resurrection? There was many of the dead bodies of the saints arose and walked through the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, <clears throat> he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep or those that have died, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so them that sleep or those that have died in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, we are going to be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm glad I've got a better place to go. And if you're saved by God's grace, you've got a better place. This is not our home. This is not our permanent dwelling place. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm glad, thankful this morning. Thankful for the encouragement from the Word of God. That there is a better day coming for a child of God. I'm glad I'm on the winning side. I've read the back of the book and I know I'm on the winning side. So thankful uh, for that today. I don't know your heart. I want you to know this. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. I want you to know this. Jesus makes a statement in John 14. He says in verse number 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He's the only way. There's not a multitude of ways. There's only one way. One way. And that's Jesus. Through what He's already done. Through what He's already done for every single one of us. And if we'll accept that by faith, we too can have an eternal home in heaven with Him. Amen. What a great thing. Stand to your feet this morning. They're going to come with a song. Every how God has spoken to your heart uh, today, please be obedient to the Lord. The altar is open. Come and pray. If you've got loved ones you're concerned about, come and pray. This world, there's so many people discouraged. There's so many people that seem like that they're just, just downcast. But man, I tell you what, for a child of God, if there's anybody that ought to have a spring, anybody that ought to be rejoicing, anybody that ought to have, have just an extra skip in their step, it ought to be a child of God uh, today. Because when we see all the events we're seeing, you know, Jesus said in one place, when you see these things taking place, He said, lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. Don't know when it's going to be. No man knows. But I believe it's going to be soon. I believe it's going to be soon. Looking forward to it. Got up looking for him this morning to come. I know he's coming. Promised us he would. So we sing, sing this invitation song. Be obedient to the Lord. You want to come and pray? Come. Just be obedient to Him this morning as we sing together.